We welcome you to the Romantic Truth Podcast. The content of this podcast is intended for an adult audience due to the nature of sensitive subject matter and topics. Share the experience of Romantic Truth with friends on Google, CastBox, Spotify, Podcast Addict, Radio Public, Breakers, Apple, or any other podcast platform. Just type in Romantic Truth in the search and subscribe. Now, here is the host of Romantic Truth, Jowson. Ooh, boy. Susan. Out of Waukegan. She didn't put the state down. Waukegan, whoever the hell that is. Um. <laughs> I've been trying to deal with a certain issue. And no matter how I try to deal with it with this guy that I'm dating, we can never, ever be on the same page. Here's my problem. He's constantly communicating with me. And when I say constantly, I mean it. I get 40 text messages a day on average from him. Five phone calls a day at work. Four at home after work. And my voicemail is always filled with him. Always talking about things that he would like to do with me. Nothing sexual. Vacations, trips, and all these other things. The problem is... He only makes $10 an hour, and he could barely afford where he lives now. I've been trying to tell him to kind of calm down a bit. I don't want to hurt his feelings because he's very fragile. He just got out of a very traumatic relationship. I know I really shouldn't give a damn, but I do. I haven't had sex with him for that reason yet, because he is too annoying. He's been asking for it for sure but I'm just not there yet with him. How can I slow him down and make him realize that he's not gonna lose me every five seconds? Because right now that's where he is. Susan, out of Waukegan, I guess that's Illinois. Okay, uh, Susan, you're dealing with a traumatized, insecure man. He probably got left by his last girlfriend and he's so insecure that he's clinging on to everything he possibly can to stay with you. If you were to walk away from him and was wearing a sundress or any kind of dress, he'd be right there on the hem of that dress and you'd be, every time you step, you'd be carrying him with you because he'd be sliding across the floor. It's very difficult for you to respect a man like that, first of all, and you know this now. You don't want to have sex with him yet because you're at that point where you're not sure if you want to be with them and you want to be able to break up with them without having that stigma or obligation associated with it. I get it. I understand. You try to have him modify his behavior. But honey, he is who he's going to be. You can't change that. And then what it comes down to, you either have to accept him like that or not accept him at all. He may modify the position or his uh, disposition, but he's not going to change it. Not for you. You're not worth the change. The insecurity is far more compelling for him to stick with than being with you. So that tactic is not going to work. You've got to come up with something better than that 
if you're going to be with him. But he is so deathly afraid of you leaving him. He's got separation anxiety. He's just like a child when the mom's not around. You've already warned him and told him how that annoys you for him to call you all those times per day and text you and all these other things. And now it's like dealing with him is like work. And I will tell you this, folks. Anytime your relationship, just the basic fundamental communication of the relationship is work, it's time to go. The work you should do should be together. If you're having a problem just communicating to an individual, just basic communication, it's got to go. You need to go. You're talking past each other, talking over each other, talking around each other. It's not going to work. And see, he's being inconsiderate. Folks, I'm eating a Chiquita banana right now, just in case you didn't know. It makes him annoying to you because he's doing too much. And you have warned him. And you're right not to sleep with him because if you do, what does, it's not going to calm him down. That's going to make him want more. I would say, cut your losses now. He's not going to change. You expect him to change, it's going to happen. Now, a question was asked by Janice. Is it possible for a person to change their expectations when it comes to dating? Yes, it is. But here's what you have to watch, too. Changing expectations in which direction? Are you raising those expectations or lowering them? The most common thing we do when it comes down to changing expectations is to lower them, not to enhance them, not to raise them. The reason being, it's a disincentive for other people to even be attracted to you when you raise those expectations. When you lower them, you attract more people. Why do you think men lower their expectations? So they can get every woman they possibly can to come their way. Women heighten their expectations in order to filter out men because they get too many men trying to vie for their attention. Men don't get enough women, so we lower our expectations. That's the reason why a woman who could be pregnant, broke, can go and find a man easily. But a man who's broke, without a car, can't find a woman so easily because their standards are higher than his. He'll deal with a fat woman. Expectations, down by his ankles. Not that fat women are in any way devalued, because I know a lot of fat women, I've dated a lot of them. I prefer thick women myself, so save that argument. Now, here's the thing though. With a woman, oh no, she's gonna choose the man she wants, not the man she can get. 
So if he has a receding hairline, she's not interested. If his shoes, if his feet are bigger than his hands, he's not interested. If his ears are too far down his neck, she's not interested. If his eyes are too close together, she's not interested. If he has a unibrow, she's not interested. But guess what? A woman could have those same characteristics. I'd be damned if a man would not take her with no ifs, ands, and buts. That's the way it works. Plain and simple. And now, is that good or bad? It depends on the individual. We talk about fairness, but how can you be fair when you have your bias? You hear women all the time. I'm not taking it. I'm not taking care of no man. But in the same breath, how many women do you say, "Well, it's the man's job to take care of me." There you go. Because it go back to fundamentals. If I'm going to provide the sex and the baby and the food to be cooked. The least he could do is provide me the shelter and the protection and the security and the love I need. Basic reciprocity. More in a moment, folks. Uh, thank you for that second email that I that you sent me that was private. I really appreciate that. He's going to send me a t-shirt from a trucking company he works for. That was pretty cool. But anyway, um, what's happening here is this. Black women are no different than any other woman when it comes down to making love to them. They want the same thing. Now, she may be sensitive on certain things such as hair. Uh, she may be sensitive as far as, uh, you know, some of the social political things going on now in, in the media and so forth. But for the most part, she just wants love. Now, her sending you that photograph tells you that definitely she wants you. And apparently you guys have... Uh, been carrying on conversations in a way that you have won her over mentally and emotionally. And I personally think at this point, she's looking for a full-blown relationship with you and not sex. And for some reason, I think that that's what you're looking for is a full-blown relationship with her. But you're conscious about the social overtones about race. You got to let that thing go. This is what's holding America back in general. You actually made a connection with this woman. And with that said, she wasn't approached by you on a sexual basis. She's the one that's initiating the sexual dialogue by sending you that nude photo. What she's doing is letting you know what you're going to get when you get with her. 
and another thing she's done with this as well. She need to be affirmed on her physical appearance. She hopes she meets your approval on it is what it is. This is why women usually send nude photos to men. Now, I get a lot of photos of women's breasts. Women send their breasts. They send pictures of their vaginas. They send nude photos. I don't mind it. I'm not offended by that. Matter of fact, I love it. But here's the thing. We have to also keep in mind that while all of this is going on, men, on the other hand, send women dick pics as a shortcut to dialogue. They think they're going to wow a woman with his penis. And fellas, I can't tell you for the longest. Let me tell you something. Eggplant pics, pic, dick pics. Women don't like them. They think they're ugly. Many women think penises are ugly. They don't like them like that. They have to be in the mood for that. It's not something that you can just spring out and all of a sudden, oh, wow, I got to have that. Not, it doesn't work like that. They have, to, they have to really have a relationship with what's attached to it before they can be attached to it. See, a woman can send us breast pics all day long and we love them. We don't get offended by that. Hell, I was with a lady one time. She was so big, she took her breast, put my head in between her chest, and just started slamming my ears with her nip with her breast. Felt kind of weird, man. Felt like two volleyballs hitting me in the head at the same time. But that was okay. I didn't have a problem with that. And as men, we don't. But here's the thing that I'm telling you. What she did, Ricky, was this. She's rewarding you for waiting for her to make the move, the first move sexually. That's what she did. So there's no real difference between having sex with a black woman or any other kind of woman. I can tell you I've had sex with almost every kind of race of woman or ethnicity of woman you can think of. One of the main differences, I will tell you, if they can cook, uh, yeah, that is a difference. Because culturally, you have different types of uh, dishes, but as far as sexually, no, pretty much the same. Pretty much the same. Demeanor may be different, but that's about it. But in this case, I don't think you're going to have any problem because you guys have worked on each other emotionally and cerebrally long enough that she's ready for you. More power to you, man. I sent you the email so that you could be on the show with her and um, we'll try to hook it up. And thanks for the t-shirt too, dude. All right, more in a moment, folks. I 
I've got a good career. I'm doing well. I'm starting to buy my own home. I know I paid too much for it because I bought it during this COVID crisis. And I'm still trying to figure out a few things. I've always wanted a house. I only grew up in project apartments, so I never really had anything of my own, not even my own room, not even my own bed. In some cases, not even my own clothes. I wore hand-me-downs and I had to hand me down, hand my hand-me-downs to my siblings. This is the first time in life I was able to own my own stuff. I was recently told by my boyfriend that I'm very selfish and dismissive. Where do you think that comes from? I've been accused of this before, but I just don't see it in myself. Carol, Springfield, Massachusetts. Carol, I could tell you where it probably came from. From what you described, that's where it came from. Usually when people talk about their history and what has happened to them, that's commonly the source of many of their problems. And what I'm saying to you, Carol, is that was the first thing you wrote in this email was about your upbringing and background. So there was an issue. There was trauma in that alone. And so being that that's the case, the result of it is you're afraid of not having your own. You're afraid of always sharing or someone taking something away from you. That's what these men are referring to. But see, they don't understand. What they see is an adult woman that's currently worried about their own assets. They see you as greedy, centrist, self-serving. They don't see you as a woman who's actually wounded emotionally from not being able to own something throughout her life. And you're fearful of someone else taking it away. Now, you only wrote a little bit here, but I'll venture to say, Carol, that you would be afraid to get into a fully committed relationship into marriage because you'll be, you'll be afraid to lose something. Like, for instance, your home, automobile, all these possessions. Because this is the first time in your life you've owned something free and clear without someone else being there having to share it with them or having to give it away. And what you have to understand, dear, is this. At some point, you're going to have to quit running and you got to stop, take a drink of water and start breathing for a change. Now, I personally would say that you need to go to a therapist for one reason, more so than anything, is to close that chapter of your childhood to understand that you don't have to run away from that situation you were faced with back in the projects anymore. You've outrun that. You've outlasted that. Nobody's going to take these things away from you as long as you're making the payments on them. That's what you have to understand. 
Because I can imagine dating someone like you, because I've dated someone like you before. Everything they put their finger on is mine. My this, my that, my this. Oh, don't do this, don't do that, that's mine. It's like those parents back in the old South that used to put plastic over the sofa and tell the kids not to come to the living room to sit on the sofa. You feel like you're going to somebody's house to be assassinated in some kind of mafia ritual. I never understood that concept. Why the hell are you going to put plastic over furniture you paid good money for? Isn't a chair to be used? What the hell are you going to do? Keep the plastic on there until it turns yellow or brown? And what do you expect to happen to the furniture underneath? Never understood that logic. You're buying something that can't be used because you want to preserve it. Even though it's going to age at the same rate no matter what. There's this thing called money that you could use to replace things when they wear out. Carol, in your situation, I think that that's what needs to happen. You are so far away from that childhood struggle that you're continuing to struggle. You know, it's like the black community when they talk about the struggle as if we're really struggling compared to what our ancestors had to go through. Being in the hull of a ship, not knowing where you're going to and you're chained down. Fed marginally. Don't know what's going to happen to you. Been ripped from your families. Some work in the cotton fields, some work in the tobacco fields. Some work in the sugarcane fields. Having to deal with snakes, whippings, lynchings, brandings. That's a struggle. What we have today is a complaint. Not a struggle. People trying to take on something that someone else had paid the price for already. There's a big difference. Our forefathers couldn't walk the streets freely. Our forefathers couldn't go into schools. Our forefathers couldn't go into libraries and educate themselves. And we sit here and complain. We get outraged about racist cops in our modern day compared to a whole racist society that our ancestors had to deal with. Systemic racism, 
<laughs> it used to be saturated racism where the Klan would walk down proudly Pennsylvania Avenue 40,000 strong when Harding was in office back in the 1920s when it was very popular at that time for that They used to have a chicken franchise called Coon Chicken. Until it became offensive. I think it went from the 1920s until the 50s. They had to deal with that. Our ancestors had to deal with that. And yet we have the nerve to complain. Stuck in this place of complacency for so many decades. And then we go and pull out that reminder every February about Black History Month. And we talk about all these people that paid the price and sacrifices. And yet we try to identify with their struggle. We can't. They paid a far dearer price price than we would ever pay in our society. They didn't have a black president. They didn't have a biracial vice president now. They didn't have people in certain places of leadership that looked like them. They didn't have people producing movies and music. And guess what else they didn't have? Groups of people in the same race going out killing each other over bullshit. So when you talk about a struggle, folks, it's about inconvenience. The only struggle in the black community is the black community in itself struggling, trying to figure out what the fuck they're going to do and where they're going next. They have the tools, they have the opportunity, they have the resources, but what they don't have is the coordination, the structure. the same level of disorganization that there are in many of the African nations now. Dictatorships, classism, black markets, exploitation, tribal disputes, the very things that divide them today, that have lasted thousands of years that allowed other civilizations to come in, colonize the whole continent in a meeting back in the 1860s and take the resources and the people from those lands for their own disposal. We have everything we need in order to go forward in this country. 
except the will to do so. Now, a lot of people are not going to like that, but to hell with them if they don't. It's the truth. More in a moment, folks. Alright folks, let's talk about jealousy in relationships. This is something that you may want to take some notes on because you will face this particular situation almost guaranteed if you're dating. Now, one thing I want you to understand, the jealousy does not start with you. It starts with an experience that your partner may have had or potential partner May have, had, may have had prior to you. Now, it manifests itself in different ways. Let me give you an extreme example. A single woman who dates nothing but married men. A lot of time that behavior is predicated off of jealousy. What do I mean by this? That wife has the benefit and luxury of being with a man that's stable, got a good job, and who can provide for them. That single woman's looking at the fact that she's dealing with all these younger men and these uh, single men that are younger, and the problem is they're non-committal. And they don't have a routine set that uh, exudes comfort for that woman. So therefore, as she sees it, it will be an unstable situation to be with this person where it's a little bit more steady with the married guy. Now, with this, she's also looking at that married woman has a better decision-making process than she does when it comes to men. She's been getting these guys that were guys that were homeless, guys that didn't have a job, guys that were players, and she's looking at from the stand she's looking at it from the standpoint that this married woman made a better choice than she did. And so this plays into the, her narrative. Well, she knows how to choose a man, so I'll stick with her choice. And then what it comes down to after she gets this guy is okay, I only have one person to compete against. With a single man, I'd probably have more women to compete with. The only thing I have to do with this woman is to line myself up like her. So, she may ask this guy questions like, so how does your wife wear her hair? Oh, here's a picture of her. I say, send me that photo. And she goes to the beautician and gets her hair cut just like because that's what he likes. She may start changing her wardrobe to be more suitable. Now here's the difference. She doesn't want him to miss what he has at home. 
So she's trying to comport herself as much as possible to accommodate him. So if he loves his wife based on the physical characteristics, she's going to emulate that. But she's also going to be aware of the things that divide them and the reason why he's cheating. And that's going to be her competitive advantage over the wife. But it was all predicated out of jealousy. She's jealous that this other woman has a good man that she wished she had. So therefore, her choice in man outranks the choice that the single woman would have made. So therefore, that wife is the leader out of jealousy. Now, let's look at it from another standpoint. Men get jealous of each other. That brother's making money. That brother's got this woman. He's got this fine car. And what men are willing to do a lot of times is to go in way, way over their head in debt in order to still be competitive. So they can still pull that fine girl like dude did. Well, if dude is making money and this other guy just has a regular nine to five, he's got to do what? Either take on another job or live beyond his means. And men are prone for this. The only problem is a lot of men go way overboard. Like I told you about the friend of mine that had the Bentley. We're sitting up there in the damn Bentley dealership and he's lying to that man through his teeth about what he did for a living, how much money he made. Fortunately, they were out to push the car. And he was able to drive it off the lot. But what the women didn't know they were riding in it was that he could barely afford the payments. He was still living in a room in his mama's house. The roof had a tarp over the top. His car looked better than the home he lived in. But when he was out in town, oh, you couldn't tell. He was wearing a nice suit, had the nice knockoff watch. Rolling around on the west side, impressing these women. Checking the hotels all the time. He was a big shot, but he was running in the hole every month, deeper and deeper. Getting credit cards and bouncing them up and down, trying to pay one to pay off, pay the other one off. Peter to pay Paul. But he was projecting an image he couldn't afford. And so what happened, it got to a point that he got upside down, way upside down. He wanted to take the car out to San Bernardino, Riverside, different places, even asked me, put it in my garage, because they're looking for it. A new way. You got it, you're responsible. They eventually pulled it. After that happened, it was like a deflated balloon. His ego went 
all of it went. He was headed toward depression. He hated the fact that he had to go from a Bentley to an old Cadillac, about an 84, 85 Cadillac at the time. That was a downgrade. All the girls started asking questions that he used to impress. And he was in the whole financial. His priorities were mixed up. He was no longer going out buying new suits that cost exorbitant amounts, exorbitant amounts of money. And he was put in a place where now he couldn't attract those very fine women he used to. And he had to be more practical and start dating women that were not quite physically so attractive. And this had a real impact on him. And what he started doing was he started getting jealous of other people, self-included, because we lived within and below our means. Because he was on this downward spiral. You have people that do this, and men are notorious for doing this in order to impress women. Fellas, let me tell you something. It's not worth it. It's not worth it at all. You can find a woman who's nice, who's attractive, who's sexy, who can love you without all of that. Because you got to remember, if the premise is that you got to impress her with the things you own, your relationship's already doomed. Because it's not predicated off of you. It's predicated off of what you have. That's the reason why I talk about those four questions in the beginning about who are you? What's your purpose? What are your strengths and weaknesses? What are your intentions? Those four basic questions. And she can't even get past who are you. She's with what you have. And too many of you guys are trying to impress women with that about what you have. And then when you lose it, or when you get on your feet, let me know. I went through a rough patch one time, and I was dating a lady who told me that. Uh, you know, well, when you get back on your feet, then we could, we could still date. But uh, until then, I'm going to start dating other people. As if I'm supposed to just come back and say, oh, got my shit together now. Uh, let's go on and resume where we left out. No. <laughs> Uh-uh, there's no part two in this movie. There's no sequel. And after I got back on my feet a lot better than I was, then all of a sudden she was calling up trying to, hey, we ought to go out. No, we shouldn't. Uh-uh, no. Uh-uh, I don't trust you like that. I'm glad you showed me who you were. Now that I know it's my fault if I trust you from now on. And one thing you have to remember, guys, Missing out on a fine woman, the world doesn't end. I know a lot of you are thinking about some of the women you could have been with only if you would have done this or done that. Trust me. They haven't quit making fine women. They're going to always be out there. They're going to always be manufactured. You never have to worry about that. 
Some of us do, but you really don't. Now, also with jealousy, women can be very jealous, as we know. There was an extreme situation that a person had written me about where he literally had to sell his business to appease his wife. Now, before he met his wife, there was a lady he used to work with at a company. They decided to start up a business together and it was a totally platonic relationship. She had a boyfriend and at the time he was single. Well, he acquired a girlfriend after he started this business up. The business was doing pretty well. It was a side business at the time, t-shirt printing business. They were doing hats, t-shirts and that kind of thing. This was way back in the 80s when that was really popular. And so while this was going on, he was making pretty good money, had different organizations that he was printing things up for. And so his girl, she wanted to help him out what she was able to do. But what she didn't like was the fact that this other woman was a full partner in the business and ranked higher than she did. And that was her issue. And so beef started between the two women and eventually it came down to where he had to sell his portion of the business to his partner, the female, in order to appease this woman that he went on to marry. Which meant that he had to go back and start working again on a regular job. Now he made much less money than he did while he had the business. And she started to complain about that. Then she started to accuse him of being with other women on the job. And he was constantly under scrutiny. Wife would come up always ask him who was that that's leaving. I had the same problem with my ex-wife because she was an older woman. Insecure. Show up in the parking lot at the job to see who I was coming out of the office with. Asking me a million questions. Who is she? What does she do? She's married. That doesn't mean anything. Well, yeah, it does because I met her husband and I respect him and I respect her as his wife. Yeah, sure. That's what insecure people do. That's what jealous people do. That was one of my biggest problems when I dated an older woman. Younger men, let me tell you something. If you're dating an older woman, insecurity is going to be the first thing that you're going to have to watch for. Especially if she's never dated a younger man before. Because they're very hypersensitive when it comes to threats. See, the problem for many of them, they've been told not to deal with the younger man because you're going to get your heart broken. He's going to go back to his peer group. And therefore, it's going to be a situation where she's going to be left looking stupid and alone. That's her biggest fear, is for that consideration to become a reality. If it ever does, she may not know how to cope with it. It'll break her heart. 
So she's going to be hypervigilant on that level. We're going to talk more in just a moment. Romantic Truth would like to take this opportunity and applaud our listeners and over 40 countries for their support. If you need someone to talk to in regards to help, you may contact the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 800-273-8255, available 24 hours. All correspondences read on the show have been pre-screened and pre-approved by the submitter to be aired on the show. The views and opinions of this podcast does not reflect those of Romantic Truth, Anchor, Spotify, or any of its affiliates. The opinions expressed are solely those of the host and guests, and should not be deemed as professional guidance, advice, or a professional practice. In the event you may need professional assistance, contact your local federal, state, or county agencies for specific assistance in social services, family counseling, or mental health services. For all medical, legal, and financial services please contact the appropriate licensed and certified professionals within your region. The music that is provided on this podcast that is not provided by Anchor is used under waiver by Jaws and One Music for fair use. Please be advised that the content of this podcast is under copyright by Romantic Truth and James Adams.